Coming up, why we as a culture are distracted by talent and what that means for us. And then, is returning to the office costing you more money? We'll break it down. Let's go. Helping you win at work is the aim of the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. I'm glad you're with us. If you're winning in your work life, I've got good news for you. You're winning in every other area of your life. So, distracted by talent. Very interesting concept, isn't it? Are we as a culture distracted by talent? The answer is absolutely, all caps, yes. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, for generations now, we have been focused by the system on test scores and grades. Even before we had standardized testing, the American education system was a series of quizzes and tests and then a summary, if you will, of your output into a grade. And so, for decades, Americans have been distracted. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, look over here. Focus on your grades. Focus on your intellect your your knowledge and can you regurgitate it that's been the distraction here's what that looks like we've been taught conditioned to sustain good grades not sustain good effort we've been told to get great grades because that'll get you into a great school and Get you a great degree so you can have a great life. Blah. Nobody believes that anyway. What we haven't been taught is how to put forth and sustain great effort. So let's look at an example of how this plays out. West Point, the academy that trains the best and brightest officers in our United States Army. There's a rigorous process to get in. Uh, We're talking about months and months and months. I've got my notes here. Um, It is several months just to go through the process to then get selected. And so you get selected to go to West Point. But interestingly enough, and these these are bright students, young men, young women, who want to serve our nation, they're very, very bright. It is a rigorous process to get selected. They get selected, and they show up, and watch this. The majority drop out in the first two months. The majority drop out of West Point in the first two months after going through an arduous, rigorous, month-long process to get selected, and they get there, and they drop out. And the reason is Beast. Beast is the name of a seven-week training program. Think of it as basic training. We've seen this memorialized or represented in movies and television shows, right? This just gut-wrenchingly tough program designed to challenge a person in every area. And so Beast, a seven-week training program, is designed to challenge these young people because it is putting them in test where their talent isn't enough in fact they don't have any talent so their whole life they've been quizzed tested 
Uh, they've worked hard on their GPA. They scored high on all these tests that God only knows how much their parents have paid, how much time has been put into this. And they get there and they go, all right, all the things you're good at, we're throwing out the window and we're literally going to challenge you physically, mentally, and emotionally. We're going to hone in on your weaknesses. It is a absolute, utter beatdown. So it's not about talent. It's about toughness. So here we go. And this is this is an example of what's happening when I say that we have been distracted in the United States by talent, test scores, all of this crap. And it's worthless if we are raising and launching soft, weak individuals. They get to West Point, the best and brightest, and they drop out. Why? It's too hard. Now, let, let me just say this. If you throw me into that seven-week program right now, I'm probably dropping out too. But the difference is I'm a 49-year-old. Year, Look at that. Tried to cut my age a little bit. A 49-year-old man who's been very successful. Thank you very much. I got grit in spades. I'm not trying to sign up for this. So I acknowledge how difficult it is. But these kids are failing. They're dropping out because they have no grit. Their whole life, it's been about talent. Are you good at this? Are you good at this? Be good at this and then feel good. We are rewarding kids for participation. They get into youth sports and somewhere along the line, this insidious message of, well, they're just kids. They're just children. We just want them to have fun. So we're not going to keep score and everyone's going to get a trophy at the end of the year because we don't want the kids to feel bad about themselves. And we've forgotten that it's fun to win. The reason that it's fun to win is because it sucks to lose. (laughs) If you lose enough, you go, this sucks. And I don't want to keep losing. I want to win. And some people think, this is a terrible message to be sending to our young people. Well, here's what happens. When you get a trophy for losing 10 soccer games, you end up going through the system and you get a job and you want to be promoted in the first six months. And when your bosses are promote you, guess what you do? You go, but I got a trophy when I was nine years old. Did you get a trophy because you won? No. You got a trophy because you showed up. So, the solution here is to get our minds off of talent, 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 and go, the ingredient that successful people have, men and women, you ready for? It's toughness, mental and emotional toughness. And that mental and emotional toughness leads to resilience, meaning I can stay tough, and then it leads to great conviction. I do the hard thing. Because on the other side of it is a reward. I exercise. I sacrifice and don't eat junk food. Why? Because on the other side is physical health. I get rid of debt. I save money. Why? Because on the other side of it is financial peace and a future. I will start at the bottom of the ladder and work hard and learn a lot and pay my dues. Why? Because on the other side of it is a future that is purposeful and meaningful. 
You can stay on the path that you were meant to walk if you develop grit. Stop focusing on all the things you do well and start focusing on how tough you are. And parents, wake up. We are raising the softest generation in the history of this great nation, and it is going to collapse on us if we don't start telling our kids and teaching our kids to do hard things. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, folks, inflation is here to stay. I hate to be the bearer of that news, but until some of the economic factors begin to shift, inflation is here to stay. I'm not going to focus on that in this segment. I I talk about this all the time on the show. You can go to YouTube and search, uh, and you can see what I think about the economy and all this stuff. But I I do want to focus on one piece of this, and this is this. There's another issue, another uh, point of tension, if you will, between the American worker, and the American leader, the business leader. A lot of tension, and the media loves to keep it going. We got all these snowflake TikTokers and Instagrammers that are constantly you know, griping about having to go to work. Now listen, let me just say this. I am not anti-remote work. People think that I am. I'm not. I don't think it's for everybody, but this hybrid model of work is now the dominant model. So on this topic, a lot of people are complaining about going back to the office. And the big reason is now um, that they're saying it is too expensive to commute to the office. Okay, now this is the big, this is the latest whining and griping uh, in the American workforce. I don't want to go back in because it's too expensive. So new data. Owl Labs did a survey. And hybrid workers are saying that they spend an average of $51 a day when they go into the office. Now, this is an average. It cracks me up when I when I, when I I give data like this. This is real data, folks. It's not my opinion. I'm not just making this up, pulling this out of my ear. People go, well, I spend way more than that. I know, Snowflake. I just said it's the average. The comments in Instagram, it's like, I spend 80 I said it's the average. <sighs> okay, back to the report. That uh, number of $51 a day, average for people who go into the office, they're saying, this is my expenditure when I go in, okay, versus stay home. So that's the next piece of data. Those who say that they stay home are only spending $36 a day working from home. 
Now, I don't buy I don't buy it. Okay, because let me tell you what happened during 2020 and 2021 when the federal government extended unemployment benefits and was sending cash to Americans. What Americans didn't do was save the money. What Americans did do was spend it. So I don't buy it that if you work from home, you spend $15 less. I think you're spending it on Amazon. I think you're going to get ice cream when you walk the dog. I think you're doing all these things, which, by the way, you can do whatever you want to do. But 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 this idea that we're griping over $15 a day. Now I say, oh, can that adds up? Yeah, but this is the cost of living, having a freaking job. You got to get there. Daily expenses for hybrid workers include an average of, these are averages, $8 for parking, $13 on breakfast and coffee, $16 on lunch, and $14 on commuting. Those who need pet care spend an extra $20 a day. You need to get you a dog that can be in a crate or not pee and poop all over the house. $20 a day for pet care. Again, you you know, look, I'm sure I've offended somebody there, but, but again, I have... I've got the greatest dog in the world, by the way. I don't talk enough about my dog, Ellis. I, I need Nathan to have a picture of Ellis so that when I talk about Ellis, we can pop him up on the screen. Be- beautiful golden doodle. This is the most beautiful dog you've ever seen. He's got a white coat. He's fluffy and furry. He's fantastic. Okay? You know, one of the many reasons that Ellis is a great dog, uh, because I let Ellis out in the morning, Give him his treat. Make sure his food and water are filled. He's great. Love on him a little bit. And and my wife works from home, so she's there a lot. But when we have to be gone for seven or eight hours, do you know what Ellis doesn't do? Ellis doesn't chew anything up. He doesn't crap and pee all over the place. He's fine. So I don't need to pay somebody $20 a day for a good dog. If you've got a pet that costs you $20 a day when you're at work, I got news for you. You got the wrong pet. But there we go. Now that I'm trying to offend everybody that I possibly can today. Um, okay, so number one, uh, $13 on breakfast. Go to the grocery store. Make yourself an egg omelet. I mean, I, I can beat that. I can beat 13 bucks for breakfast every day of the week twice on Sunday. If you're going out for breakfast, that's one thing. By the way, I don't care what McDonald's tells you. Their breakfast is not good for you. Oh, man, who else have I got to line up to offend today? This is exciting. Don't tell me that Egg McMuffin is natural. Ain't nothing natural about an Egg McMuffin. Might as well just be eating cancer. This is the cost of living. So here's what people are saying. I can't go in. I've got to tell my leader that you're asking me to come back to the office, and this is a hybrid model, folks, two, three days a week, and you get to work from home two, three days a week, and you're going, it's too expensive. And yet, we have more credit card debt than we've ever had in this country. We had student loan payments paused for years, and people didn't pay the balance down. So don't tell me that you can't come to the office because it's costing you $51 a day average, Versus $36 a day. You can't do it. It's too expensive. Because here's what I know. You're at home. And while you're at home working, 
you're on Amazon shopping. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Now, why does this matter? Again, I'm not anti-remote work. I'm certainly not anti-hybrid work. But these kind of excuses, it's, 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 it's nuts. It's bananas. Well, what are you doing with your money? Uh, now, commuting long distances is very expensive if you're driving. We've had, I've had calls. Listen, I took a call the other day with Dave Ramsey. Guy calls in. We're on the Ramsey show. Guy says, Ken, Dave, I got a scenario for you. Uh, I'm driving round trip three hours a day. I mean, I'm not kidding. I cut the guy off. I'm like, I don't even care what the rest of the question is. Yeah, stop that. Life is too short to be in the car three hours a day. Well, you say, well, Ken, we are we love where our kids are, uh, their schools, our church, our neighbors, our family. I go, absolutely. So we change jobs. Well, no, I love the work. The guy says, I, I love the job. He says, well, change your, your zip code. Well, you know, remember all those? No, listen. The amount of stress, and I've covered this on the show previously. You could look it up on YouTube. I've covered the amount of stress that long commutes cause people. So instead of focusing on what the financial cost of the commute is, the longer commutes, where we're talking, let's just for sake of discussion, say over 45 minutes or so, when it gets to be that long, now we've got a problem. Because there is stress. Stress when traffic happens. Uh, mental and emotional stress when you go, I have to get up this early. I see less and less of my family. Let me just tell you something right now. I wouldn't recommend that kind of commute if it was just me and Stacy and we were empty nesters. I got three teens right now. I can't fathom the idea. I hardly see them as it is. They're teenagers for crying out loud. So... Everybody's getting up in the morning. I get to see a couple of them in the morning, depending on the schedule. And, and folks, I have a very good balance in my work schedule. But I still don't see my kids. I can't imagine getting up at 4.35 a.m., uh, driving an hour and a half, and then getting to work, dealing with all the stuff at work, then get in the car and drive another hour and a half. I mean, life is short. We know, by the way, from data, that the average American spends, you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime. 90,000 hours. So I will tell you this. And I'm the guy that says, get in your sweet spot. The dream job is real. It's as simple as saying, I'm using what I do best to do what I love to produce results that matter to me. And I'm spending about 80% of my day doing it. That's the dream job, by the way. It's not like I want to be in the NBA or an NBA, you know, NFL quarterback. That's... That's what the culture is called a dream job, but that's not. That's a unicorn that's that's just nonsensical. But but as much as I'm for that, I am not going to say that I'm going to spend so much of my life. Now listen, that's three hours a day. You start doing that times five days a week, and then and then four weeks a month and fifty-two weeks a year, you are spending more than the ninety thousand hours attached to work. That is an absolute guarantee for frustration and then desperation. It will catch up to you. So I told the guy, this is going to catch up to you. You might think you can do it now, 
but you you keep missing this, you keep missing this. You go through a season of 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 frustration at work, which happens for everybody. It's going to weigh on you. There's a big difference between a three hour commute and a twenty minute commute. So this is less about the financial cost. This is more about the emotional, mental, and physical cost because we know that when we're struggling emotionally and mentally that the body releases all that stress in us and it begins to break down our immune system. That's where it starts, by the way. By the way, have you ever met anybody that's really stressed out that's healthy? You don't. And so that's why this matters. So really interesting stuff. Um, We're focusing too much on the things that don't matter. I'd rather adjust my budget than I would put myself in a situation where I may lose my job because I'm not willing to go in. I can adjust my budget. I can't just go, nope, not coming in here. Now I got to get a job over here. I can't do that. It's not possible. So it's time for the American worker to go, you know what? I got to be an adult and I can make adult decisions and life can get better. This is the Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, I would love for you to help us continue to grow. You can do that. If you're on YouTube, by liking the video, subscribe to the channel and share. And then if you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well. Okay, I've said this on the show before, and they posted it on uh, social media. And boy, oh boy, did it get some reaction on on uh, on the on the Instagram and the TikTok. That's where, like, uh, um, it's like if you were to say... Let's let's just say I would I would go out on TikTok right now and I would go the sun is really really bright and really really warm when I stand and look at it. Someone on TikTok and Instagram would go, "No, oh, you're wrong." They would literally break the argument down. It's hysterical. So on the show before I said something that that went kind of viral cuz I said everybody needs a best friend at work. Now, some people thought I meant that your best friend of life is also the best friend at work. That's not what I said. What I said was 
at work, in work, everybody needs that bestie in the office. So, in other words, I work at Ramsey Solutions. I need someone at the office that I go, in the office, of my acquaintances, coworkers, and people that I would say, they're yes, they're coworkers, but they're also friends, I need the best one. Okay? I need the best friend. And so people are like, that's crazy. Why in the world would you need a good friend? Just go do your job and leave. But do you know it's very possible to be crazy lonely in the midst of a bunch of people? There's over a thousand people that work here at Ramsey Solutions, and I promise you, as sad as I as sad as I am to say this, there are people that work here that are probably very lonely in the building. And I don't know how you can separate the innate God-given desire to relate. The root word of relationship is relate. And so we long to belong. That's why there are so many affinity groups in real life, on social media. I mean, we just want to flock with other birds of our ilk. And so that's why it is important that you have real friendships and relationships at work. So anyway, I've talked about this a lot. I absolutely believe this to be true. You know, it doesn't mean you're doing life with them, going on vacation with coworkers. It does not mean that you are going out every night after work and hanging with them. No, you know, go home, be with family. I'm, and by the way, anybody that works with me will tell you that I model this. Joe, you've known me, man, we're well over a decade. Do I model this? And I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but do I model this? I am not hanging out with a bunch of coworkers every night. I go home, been with the family, and that's all I do. Affirmative. And, and by the way, there's a season coming when Stacey and I will be empty nesters. It's going to be great. You know why? Because we'll probably never eat at home. <laughs> uh, unless we have people over. But right now, my my desire is when I leave the office, uh, I'm going to go be with my family and then be with my friends when I'm not with my family. So that's a setup for the bigger issue here, which is not just friendship at work, but what is the American relationship with friends? I mean, again, this is data just from our country. So this is from Pew Research, one of the most uh, storied uh, survey and data companies. 61% of U.S. adults say having close friends is extremely or very important for people to live a fulfilling life. 61%. I think that's too low. I'm a little bit bummed by this. Uh, I'm just curious, quick little survey. Alex, does that bum you out? Would you have thought it would have been higher or lower? Okay, he says it bums him out. 61% of U.S. adults say having close friends is extremely or very important. So that means that there's a whole lot of people, hello, 39% going, eh, I'd like to be left alone. This is far higher than the percentage of people who say the same thing about being married. <laughs> oh, no. So 61% of U.S. adults saying having close friends is important, but only 23% say being married is important. Yikes. That's Boy, that's depressing. Uh, real quick note, side note, for those of you that are listening to this, go do your own research. Just Google the health benefits of being married. I don't think most people realize this. 
what I think people realize is that so many people have been divorced, people grown up from a divorce household. And so obviously, and I would understand this, I did not, neither did my wife. So our view of marriage is, of course, very skewed towards watching our parents, both sets of parents, being married now, well, uh, 54 years, 52 years on each side. So I understand that my context for marriage is different. Okay. And, and, and so I want to be sensitive to people that grew up in divorce or have been divorced. It doesn't make you less than. But the, the point I'm making is, is that the data is very clear of the positive uh, uh, physical benefits and financial benefits of being married. Go look it up. All right. Um, only 26%. This is really scary. This this is very scary. I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole, but I wanted to cover it. Only 26% of Americans think that it's important to have kids. Now, you just play that out for two, three more decades. There's going to be a whole lot less of us. And then finally, uh, only 25% think it's important um, to have a lot of money. Now, that could skew a lot of different ways. I won't go down that rabbit hole. I don't think you have to have a lot of money to be successful or significant or live a meaningful life. I, I absolutely would agree with that. Uh, a lot of money is not going to be the determining factor. It's nice, but it's it's not the determining factor. Um, okay, so they surveyed 5,000 adults on this. So I want to break down some of the things, okay? So 8% of Americans say they have no close friends. 38% of Americans uh, report that they have five-plus close friends. Okay, so no close friends, 8% of America. 38% five-plus. Now, this is interesting. The age divide and the number of close friends that people have skews towards older people. Half of adults 65 and older say they have five or more close friends. Why? Well, they're in a different season of life, right? Presumably, they're not working, and so they're hanging out with other people that are their age, and it's more community open, meaning that they've just got a lot of friends, and they can hang out with them because they got a lot of time. That makes a lot of sense. 40% of those 50 to 64, 34% of those 30 to 49, and 32% of those younger than 30 uh, report having five or more close friends. So it starts to just drop. All right? Now, the majority of Americans with at least one close friend, 72%, say they're either completely or satisfied with the quality of their relationships. Here's what you want to take away from this. You don't have to have five plus friends. One really good friend. I mean, one really good. You know, this is your this is your girl. I mean, you guys cry together. You shop together. You travel together. You exercise. Whatever it is. Guys, you know, you play golf together. You hunt together. Whatever it is. One really good friend. Uh, the numbers show that 72% who have just one good friend are very satisfied with their relationships. The survey also finds that having more friends is linked to being more satisfied with those friendships, and in life. Why? This is the key takeaway. We're meant to relate. It's that simple. And when we aren't relating, 
or suffering. I think it's that simple. If we're made to relate, meaning relationship, whether that be of a romantic nature or just a organic, what is the other, what is the word I'm looking for? Not romantic, but um, plutonic. There we go. If we're not relating, I believe we're suffering. I believe the soul is suffering because we crave companionship. I would also say to guys, and I'm only going to speak to guys. I can't speak to women. I don't have the I don't have the context or the authority to be able to do so. But I'll speak to guys. And I've been married 25 years. I'm happily married. Love of my life. But I have always had, in every season of life. And by the way, the seasons come, the seasons go, and friends do as well. But I've always had one or two guys that I'm really close with. And it is a very different relationship than the one I have with Stacy. And I would say to ladies, I think you need the same. But I think the key to a healthy marriage is having healthy friendships outside of the marriage relationship. I'm closer to Stacy than anybody else. But having guy friends that we hold each other accountable, we lift each other, we we make each other laugh, we challenge each other in sporting events or, or whatever, all of that matters because we're not going through this thing alone. So it's really, really important. Really, really important. So the takeaway, we're made to relate. You're not relating, you're suffering. And that's not good. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.